Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that starts proxy discourse on Twitter, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined not only by the white main lion herself, Emma, but also the altered ego, Dan, aka ALK Alters, at Alters ALK on Twitter. That was a mouthful. How are you doing, ALK? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, it is <laughs> Sunday morning here. I am uh, anxiously awaiting the Steelers playoff game tonight in which um, I will hopefully watch the Steelers not get completely embarrassed, only partially embarrassed uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. Football words. I definitely <laughs> understand. At least you're going in with some optimism. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to have some optimism. Yeah. You can't be completely fatal. Unless you're me, because then that's, that's, a, that's a different thing altogether. But yeah, I don't have that with the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Well, they, yeah, they're in a little different. The Steelers are still salvageable at this point. The Panthers, mm. I think, uh, need a lot more to happen to be I agree. Uh, ready to play. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm doing a very terrible <laughs> handoff to Emma. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so yeah, I'm doing all right. I've had a busy week in Magic, so for those who missed it last week, um, there was a huge announcement in regards to the Pauper format announced by Wizards of the Coast. And... Mm. Um, Basically, the, the rundown is I was invited to join a pauper format panel, which is a group of pauper community members to help curate the health of the format, discuss any changes, so that includes stuff like bands and unbands. Um, and this is led by Gavin Verhey, who spearheaded the whole thing, who helped push the pauper format way back when. Uh, it's an exciting opportunity, can't wait to get stuck in with the rest of the group. If you want to read the full breakdown, because there's a lot of details and a lot of information mm-hmm. and what that means for pauper, um, you can do so looking at the show notes. I'll put the link in there. And it's also on Daily MTG. So, yeah, that's really exciting. There's going to be a lot happening soon. Otherwise, I've been busy writing on modern budget stuff and the end dynasty stuff for TCG players. So it's just same old, same old, really. Mm. How about you, Scott? What have you been up to? Um, yeah, I'm okay. I have been up to a few bits. You know, I have the usual stuff, like playing some Commander uh, with my local pod over Spell Table. I was also playing with Dan here as well. We tried out some artisan decks, and Ooh. did you beat us? Did you beat us with your full full power rares and mythics? Yeah, my, deck, my yeah? Wow. super-powered <laughs> mono-white Gideon tribal deck stomped all over <laughs> your artisan decks. Pop stomped. We knew what we were getting into. That's it's fun. It's fun. I thought Dan just rocked up with a you know with a powered up commander deck, going yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Quite unquote. Yeah, I, I yeah. pump stomped all over you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was good. It was real good. Uh, my Sarkara the Bowl deck did it really well, actually. If anyone wants to check it out in action, I will be playing it on Wednesday on Mental Misplay stream, which once the episode goes out, it will actually have already happened. So you can check it out on their VODs on twitch.tv forward slash mental underscore misplay. Also, this week's article is all about cards that can make your Commander games more dynamic and interesting and exciting and dramatic and those kind of things. So if you want to check that out, that is over on Card Kingdom as well. And final bit of news is I'm also getting my 5G upgrade tomorrow. Yay. So I'm getting my booster shot, finally. Hooray. I'm Yay. Yeah, I'm not hearing uh, many good things about like the after effects of like anyone's booster shot at all. But you know what? I'm not looking forward to feeling like crap for a couple of days, but it's definitely, to be fair, definitely, definitely worth it. Um, mine lasted like twelve hours, so mm. I have I've I've had Moderna like all three times. Um, so the booster felt worse than the first shot, but better than the second shot. Like you just feel a bit achy and a bit cold. So if you just like stay in bed for half a day, I think you'll be fine. I actually I felt- can do that pretty good after my booster. My arm just hurt, and then I had a headache. 
Um, but that was about it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, the first two for me, I had like no symptoms of anything whatsoever. I was like, this is easy. (laughs) I'm expecting to like suffer this time because of that. Mm -hmm. But we will see. Before we jump in to the main section of the episode, Emma, have we got any housekeeping? Yes, so we'd like to give a warm welcome and hello to Seamus MC, who is the latest patron of the Stonks tier. Um, So thank you very much, Seamus. Enjoy the benefits and hope you're all good. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so before we jump in and get your card of the week, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where we can find you? Yeah, so I um, am a magic card digital altruist. So as opposed to traditional altruists who draw on magic cards with things like marker or paint on them with paint, I do all of that in Photoshop, sort of compositing together the approximation of a magic card through Photoshop. So I've been doing this through for magic in this sort of iteration of me for three years, sort of at the tail end of 2018 is about when I started. And you can find my work at my Twitter account and my Instagram account, which are both at alters, A-L-K. My Instagram account has just all of the stuff that I put up um, in my work. And my Twitter account also has all of my great opinions, which I'm sure you mm-hmm. want to hear. I can confirm they're they're pretty alright opinions. Good opinions. Yeah, I try I try not to have <laughs> awful opinions, but you know, every once in a while someone I have a bad one. Yeah. That's the best of this. So, tell us. You are the guest this week, and you've got a card of the week for us. Actually, you have two? Yeah, I have two cards because they're it's sort of weird that these two cards came out in the same set. So it's from Crimson hmm. Vow. Their pointed discussion and fell stinger. So they're both black cards that cost two and a black. Um, Pointed Discussion is a sorcery. Fell Stinger is a creature with exploit. Uh, So Pointed Discussion says you draw two cards, lose two life, and then create a blood token. And Fell Stinger has Death Touch. It's a 3-2 zombie scorpion. It has exploit. Whenever you exploit a creature, um, when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. Target player draws two cards and loses two life. So it's very Mm. weird to me that both of these effects, which are very similar, they're both, you know, two cards for two life for three mana are in the same set, but they're both very good in Commander, where you're getting that sort of incidental card draw, you're getting a bonus effect, either a blood token or sacrificing a creature. Um, Mm. So in decks where you want to be discarding additional cards or sacrificing creatures or bringing creatures back from the graveyard, I think these are both very strong effects um read the bones has been a sort of um budget staple especially in commander for a very long time mm. and these i think these cards 
offer different versions of the read the bones effects that I think I think Felstinger's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a an upgrade to read the bones, even though you don't get the scry. Just the <clears throat> graveyard play off of it is really strong. Yeah, for sure. I I happen to run Felstinger and read the bones in my Sir Conrad deck and. Felsinger generally does feel better, obviously because Conrad, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, these are both really, really good. I might actually consider point to discussion as well because that gets more stuff into the bin. Yeah, Ooh. I ran point to discussion in my Grusilda deck, um, which is a, a very weird deck to build around, but it, it does want to put stuff in the graveyard. So like getting so another opportunity to get a discard from your hand into the graveyard, I think it's very good, and I, I just love the blood mechanic. Yep. I think it's great. Same. Same. I think people are looking at the blood mechanic in, the, in kind of the wrong way, that they're saying that they're worse than clues, and it's like, well, in the right deck, they're better. Yeah. But yeah, good choices for card of the week. Now, let's kick off into a bit of a chat. We're having a little bit more of a like an open chat, and the patrons will notice this as well. Our show notes this week are going to be a little more chill. Um, normally, we lay out a bunch of stuff, and we sort of regiment it quite strictly because we want to be able to have people take away like you know a list of like cards or decks or whatever but this is just a bit more of a, a chat in general um first of all to to get to know yourself a little bit more dan and then also to talk about social play within commander so first things first why don't you tell us a little bit about making the altars and proxies in the first place how did you get into that yeah, it's a little tied into my overall uh, Magic experience. So I, I started playing Magic in 97, 98. My brother wanted someone to play with. I have an older brother who's yeah. two years older than me. And as a, you know, as a younger sibling, you get very involved with other, whatever your older sibling is doing. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how I got into Magic. And I played for a little bit. And then um, Pokemon came out about a year later. And I was super into Pokemon. I still am super into Pokemon as a franchise. And then Pokemon mm -hmm. launched their own trading card game. And I was like, holy crap, I love trading card games. I love Pokemon. This is perfect for me. And I was sort of also getting into the internet at the time. Um, this was back in the days of dial-up internet, and uh, yeah. even though uh, my parents sort of, you know, read those things about, like, don't give out your information in chat rooms, um, they would just, like, <laughs> pretty much let me browse the internet unfettered, and so I was looking up stuff for Pokemon card game on the internet, and I saw this card that wasn't a real card, but, like, someone had made a Pokemon card mm. of their own, and I was like, oh, that's awesome, I can do that, and... I couldn't because I didn't have <laughs> Photoshop and I didn't like have the graphic design skills, but I, I joined a community of people on the internet that were doing that at the time and I'm actually still friends with them to this day, which is very weird that I've had internet friends for over 20 years <laughs> at this yeah. point. <laughs> and so I started, like, I just kept doing it. So I, I was doing it on um, Corel Presentation, which was a sort of a, a very bad Offix graphic compositor. And I, I made, yeah. you know, hundreds of cards on that. And then I eventually somehow a Photoshop fell off the back of a truck um, and got installed on my computer <laughs> and so I started like I started teaching myself Photoshop because of that mm -hmm. and which has led to a lot of stuff in my outside of trading card game life mm -hmm. just because now I know how to use Photoshop I, I know how to use Adobe 
all of that sort mm. of stuff. And so I, I did that for a long time. I built I would build custom magic sets on Magic Set Editor in like the mid two thousand yeah. stuff just to pass the time. And then around 2016, 2017, whenever Amonkhet came out, the um, invocations for Amonkhet, which are, I actually sort of like them, um, but they're very controversial Same. graphic design-wise. A lot of people hate them because, like, these don't look like mm -hmm. magic cards, and they don't. Um, but I was like, I wonder if I could do something like that. And so I started, like, reteaching myself Photoshop and then getting more involved, and I, I sort of did that for a while and fell off. And then I saw, um, it was when Ultimate Masters came out and the extended art. Mm. And I saw that and it's like, oh, I can clearly just do that. That's not too hard. <laughs> um, and so I started doing that. And then I started posting my stuff. I was like, this stuff is actually pretty right. good. I'll put it on Twitter and see how it does. And it did really well. And that's how I got to where I am. Nice. Good stuff. So you've been in Magic for quite a while then. Yes. And... So you would have been around for original Kamigawa, right? Yeah, original Kamigawa came out my junior year in high school. So I was 17. It was the fall of 2004. Okay. So what would your thoughts then be on Neon Dynasty? How do you think they're, they're handling it so far and how it looks? Uh, I was very apprehensive of Neon Dynasty going in. I think, so just to, to give context... Pretty much everyone hated original Kamigawa block. Um, <laughs> the the card power was specifically powered down after Mirrodin because Mirrodin block broke magic. And so they were like, okay, we're just going to make the cards bad so we don't accidentally break <laughs> magic again. And you can see, like, in original Kamigawa, some of the, the, like, some of the comments are some of the worst cards you'll ever see. Yeah. And none of the mechanics were really that strong. All of the cards that people remember fondly from original Kamigawa are individual cards and ninjas, basically. Ninjas yeah. is the only mechanic that really went over. And so for a very long time, Wizards is like, we're never going to go back to Kamigawa. We're never going to do anything like Kamigawa again, because mm -hmm. everyone hated it. We hated it, blah, blah, blah. And then as the years went on, they sort of would go back to Kamigawa flavor-wise and some of the commander sets. Um, mm -hmm. We got the return of ninjas in Modern Masters. So we sort of started seeing the seeding of these ideas. We got Tamiyo in yeah. or, original Innistrad block, who was a character from oh, Kamigawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they were seeding things from Kamigawa back into magic. But in a lot of what Mark Rosewater would say is, you know, we have to make sure like that we could do Kamigawa so that it's more accessible for people. Because one of the things that people really didn't like was the, the very complex names with Japanese root names that are... It's very hard yeah. to parse a lot of these names at the same time. And as we talk about this, there's a, a minor element of anti-Asian racism that like lends itself to these top this discussion of Kamigawa and how people viewed yeah. it at the time. Uh, just want to acknowledge that because it's... It's there, and hmm. so when they first announced Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, you know, they, they put a lot of focus on the futuristic aspects of the setting that we're seeing. So the they had, I think yeah. the splash image had the 
ninja and like the neon cityscape and sort of robotics and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that I was really worried about because I was very worried that they were going to just, okay, we'll take the name Kamigawa, we'll throw a few like elements of the old set in there, but it's a, it's going to be like a cyberpunk ninja set. Yeah. And as they started revealing more stuff about Kamigawa, sort of the story article we got at the end of last year and then all the stuff that they've been showing so far, it's very clear that they are trying to go back to the history of Kamigawa. They're doing a ton of stuff that is just about the history of Kamigawa. They've had, this past week, they've had articles that are clearly about saga cards that are showing up in the set. Um, mm-hmm. But they're just about the old story. There's a lot of references, and it's not that the the neon and the cyberpunk and all of that stuff isn't there because it still is there. There's um, yeah. one of the images that they showed in the world building panel is a a person using like robotic arms to do DJ stuff, which yeah. I personally hate. I think that's dumb. <laughs> um, but if someone else likes it. Like, fine. That's uh, good for you. I don't <laughs> yeah. really care that much because I'm clearly getting what I want out of the set, which is like paying mm-hmm. homage to the original Kamigawa and trying to reboot the mechanics of that set in a way that actually works. Yeah. So I feel very optimistic about that set. Um, and yeah. from a story perspective and a world building perspective, I think the world building panel. Um, where they talked about sort of these issues of Asian and Japanese representation in the set, mm-hmm. they were very thoughtful about For like, sure. how yeah. we think about this and how we portray this. So I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic that Wizards of the Coast can pull it off. Yeah, for sure. On that world building panel, I do feel like it is necessary to point out that I know my words mean nothing. I'm a white man. <laughs> they they mean nothing. But I thought it was very very good. It was incredibly insightful. I feel that, and I said this on Twitter like last week, if if they were to do an Irish-themed set, that's the kind of care and respect that I would want them to have. And that, I, if I feel, is the only thing I can comment on. But I did see an awful lot of Asian friends and Asian mutuals on Twitter and everything talk about it and be like, this seems pretty legit. It looks like they're being properly respectful and, and you know doing their proper research, getting the right cultural experts in and everything. So hopeful on that side too. And as someone who works in the history field, um, there was a line that the the story consultant said that was the the stories that we uh, or the actually the lies we tell about others versus the lies we tell about ourselves and like mm-hmm. how we conceive um, storytelling. And I think that's I mean that's sort of the basis of historical memory and how you think about your own history and how it relates to other people's history so I thought that that was like that's just a very good thought to I think keep in your mind about everything yeah absolutely so it's good to hear that you're you're looking forward to this tentatively optimistic but on your magic experience as a whole you said that you started back around 97 or so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Commander didn't really exist around that time. So how did you actually get into Commander? Because that's pretty much exclusively what you play at the moment, right? Yes. Um, so I played almost exclusively Kitchen Table Magic when I played... Like, back in my sort of first round of playing Magic, I would just play casual 60-card Kitchen Table multiplayer. Um, yeah. 
so I, I played with my brother and his friends, and I played with my friends in middle school and high school, and then I played with my friends in college, and that's about where the, the dip started at the end of 2010. So when I was getting back, and even in 2010, EDH was a thing. It was getting more popular, and it was about to be officially recognized with the, command, the first set of Commander decks uh, that came out in 2011, and really solidified Commander as like one of the main, the sort of the main multiplayer format for Magic, and the main, yeah. and it's now grown to become the main casual format for Magic. And I think one of the reasons that I started, I like the idea of Commander. I like the deck building constraints a little bit, just to mm. be able to think about the restrictions and how you can build within them. But also, Commander provides a set of common rules, even before we talk about Rule Zero, but just like the ban list and all of that stuff, mm. um, that everyone can get behind. And it, it's when people talk about, like, oh, like, I don't like Commander because, like, the rules committee decides the ban list. I think it's when you used to look at local game stores that would have a casual magic night and you'd play yeah. like multiplayer magic and they it would just you know be like legacy but blank 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 cards are also banned and so mm-hmm. it was really hard to figure out and it, it still is really hard in commander and that's the main issue with the format is figure out where mm-hmm. you are in that social and power level but you would essentially have you know hundreds of small splinter formats and Commander at least yeah. brings them all into one defined format that then we can have those arguments within. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I'm bringing up Commander and talking about it here is because I think it would be good to have a chat about promoting good social play because I've played with you a good few times and your social play within Commander itself is very, very good. I really enjoy it. And I think it would be good because you have a different kind of experience with commander than say i would and mine will be different to emma's and it's three different viewpoints so we can sort of have a bit of a melting pot of like different ideas and aspects and perspectives on it so with that i suppose it 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 feels like such a huge huge question to just open with but like how do you promote good social play within a commander pod there's just i know i know that's really broad so feel free to like tackle this from whatever angle you feel like I think the the first thing is, it's weird to say, but not caring if you win or lose. I, I feel, yeah. especially the, and it's not even just like not trying to play to win, which I think is one of the more, the bigger hurdles that a, a tournament player might have coming into Commander is like, okay, I, I like, I'm not just tr- constantly trying to win, but like, there are plenty of games where I just I, I look at the board state like I figure okay like I'm not I'm clearly not going to win based on this board state I can like play my cards and do stuff um, mm-hmm. but like unless and it's entirely possible too that's the the great thing about multiplayer magic is someone else's might just do something that you know puts you back in the game but like. At this yeah. point, like, there's, I, I'm just like, I'm not gonna win this. There's no point worrying about it because it could happen. It could not. They're just like unmooring your enjoyment of the game from whether you win or lose the game. I think is the big one. Yeah, yeah, I, I will be inclined to agree that also I feel great. like that's one of the huge points 
because there, there are so many times where and it can be determined by the situation as well like there are like I said like we have like casual friend pods here and stuff like there are where I would play with some friends and you know it might get to a point in the game where you know it's clearly a race between two of us mm-hmm. and then things all come down to like well let's make the optimal play and let's do this and that and like be as specific and as deliberate as possible um, to try and win but we know that like we're we're friends we know what we're about we're playing you know it's just this is now okay we've decided that this is where the dramatic tension is going to sort of accumulate and we're just going to play it out and see who wins and then no matter who wins or loses by the end of it you're like that was a good game yeah that was let's fun. start again yeah but if if you were to do that maybe with a stranger it might come across that like you're being like really like aggressively competitive or something you know it's 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 kind of reading the room as well i think yeah. mm-hmm. is a big, big part, part of it yeah um i think for me because command is a little bit weird for me because i play it like once in a while so I'm, i don't play it as much as scott and dan for example mm. i see it as it's it's like it's my casual form of, of magic right so I, I i like to play competitively like i enjoy playing constructive formats and stuff like that but I see Commander as like a an output for the competitiveness in the sense that I just want to switch off and have some fun. I really want to just flick that switch. Um, so for, for Commander, for me, it's not necessarily play to win, but just play to have fun. And if you happen to win, great. But bottom mm-hmm. line is you just want to have fun with the three other people you're in this pod with because it is a gathering thing first. You're playing with other people. Mm-hmm. The game is secondary. I know that sounds cliche, but that's how I see Commander. And... Obviously, not a lot of people always agree with that because they sometimes funnel that competitiveness into Commander. That's why CDEH exists, and people just mm-hmm. get hung up on that, right? So that's that's kind of where I stand as well. And I think the most difficult part is doing it with strangers, right? Because yes. yeah. when you play, like I have a, a fairly regular play group that Scott. Uh, often gets in on and like we all sort of know what we're about we have about the same power level of decks and like it's it's as much an excuse to just hang out and um sort of fuck around with magic cards as it is to like actually play or win a game yeah and so that's all fine but when you go to an lgs or you go to a big event someday like trying to get that vibe and read the vibe of other people is yeah. is a lot more difficult. Yes, especially when you get people when because people don't ask questions like with strangers when it comes mm-hmm. to commander. People are like, what kind of commander deck do you have? Do you have any infinite combos? That sort of thing. And people don't get really defensive about it for some reason. Like winning's the important bit. Um, but having these conversations is just good because you don't want to sit around for three hours because someone's psychotic drift and can't finish the game off. That kind of thing, right? It's just mm-hmm. about promoting the being openly communicate, yeah. like just being open about it. Like it's it's just a game of commander, not to be little it, but it's just a game of commander. The goal is to have fun, not to be like get people because you can infinite combo people to death, sort of thing. Like yeah, talking about power level, I yeah. know that's like a, an ongoing discussion in commander because there's no way to properly yeah. like correct that and for there's everyone no way to, to agree on it. It's impossible, format. right? You can't do yeah. that. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. conti- the conversation is going to continue regardless, right? Because that's what people do. Um, so you just got to be open and just be like, hey, yeah, I, what are your thoughts on like tutors or, you know, infinite combos, that sort of thing? Just be like mindful mm-hmm. of it. But, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good courtesy. I always find, yeah, 
I, I always find that one of the important things that I, I, I keep referencing this one article, I swear I'm not purposely plugging this, <laughs> but like I, I did an article um, a couple of months ago about um, the most important thing in Commander is intent. And you just have to explain, if you correctly explain your intent with anything and the other players get it, you're going to have a good time. Because if you go in and go, yes, this deck has infinite combos, but, and this, I do this regularly, my deck has infinite combos, but I use it when we're about 40 minutes in, the game's starting to hit a lull, and we all kind of want to just shuffle up and start again, and like no one really cares who wins or loses at this point. It's just getting boring, so let's hit that button. Yeah. If I have it early in my hand, I just won't use it because I'm not about that. Mm-hmm. You know, That's why I like about... Uh, if you're clear combos. with those things, then yeah. Yeah, infinite, yeah. I think infinite combos are for me are a... This game's not going anywhere. I'm going to end it right now, if that's okay. And let's, let's, shuffle, let's shuffle up again sort of thing. I like to see it as like a a last resort. If the game can't finish, you go, I can do this thing. Let's shuffle up. Not, oh, hey, I'm doing this turn two. Okay, great game. Okay, bye. Yeah, it's yeah. Just it's not, not something it's, to risk. It's, it's a know? massively dig move, let's be honest. And, you know, it's just, yeah. I think people could be a lot more courteous about it. Yeah. Like, one thing that I think is... Kind of lean sort of on the power level and the the rule zero discussion and stuff is I do think that what you were saying earlier Dan about like the competitiveness and stuff I think part of what some people have and this is part of the issue is that some people have a fear of vulnerability within the commander pod and it starts at rule zero where you're afraid of like giving away all your secrets or like explaining that your deck isn't really all that strong or whatever mm-hmm. because you're afraid that someone else is going to oh well i'm going to pick this deck it's a little bit stronger and i'm going to stomp you you know i do think there is a little element of that whether people realize it or not and i feel that's hard to work out it almost feels like something you need to therapize yeah. like insecurity, out, you know? isn't it? <laughs> it's insecurity and yeah. i think it's it's weird because i like there's there's a, a school of thought within rule zero that you should be like completely out in the open about like whatever is in your deck and to some extent I agree but like I do think surprises are a huge element of social gameplay and so yep. like keeping that balancing act but as long as, like but if your secret is like surprise I it's a contamination lock or surprise, yeah. like those are obviously something like that. You, well, you shouldn't play. <laughs> they are not good surprises. I don't want those. Like, <laughs> they can get out of the like, game. <laughs> but uh, you, like there, there is. I think the unexpected and surprise is part of why, like, I like social gameplay and why I like Commander. Mm. And so, uh, I I'm trying to like figure out a way that because i do agree like i think the more conversation that you have as part of rule zero and the more that you discuss intent is good and Mm -hmm. especially if there's something in your deck that or something that's a core part of your deck strategy because as you said like an infinite combo you can sandbag or whatever but if it's like if something that your deck really needs to do to to do its thing that could Mm -hmm. cause people to have an issue then letting them know that yeah, people do have sure. these conversations as well like in not necessarily about what they play but in the conversation of like hey my commander deck's got proxies in it hey my commander deck's silver boarded is that cool sort of thing like people do have that conversation with legality of cards so why can't we have that about what you're actually playing and intending to do like it's already yeah. there right it's just mm-hmm. it's just progressing yeah. it further it's just, yeah 100% and on, on this topic actually when it comes to surprises and stuff like you said Dan I, fi- I find that it is very trust-based, mm-hmm. you know, like, the more I trust somebody, 
the more I'm okay with them not telling me what's in their deck. Like, for example, with yourself, you just whipped out your Crusilda <laughs> Monster Masher deck the other day. You just were like, yeah, you were talking away. I wasn't even really paying attention. I was just picking a deck or something. And you just pulled out like a Silver Border Commander. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, why not? Let's go. And then you proceeded to win the game later with uh, Summon the Pack. Summon the Pack. It? I used Booster yeah. Tutor and Summon the Pack in that in that <laughs> game. And it was like, yeah, yeah, like I was realizing like as I cast the Summon the Pack, like, ooh, is this something I should have like said under Rule Zero? But it's also like, it's yeah. a, it like, I don't know. It's one of those things, like, you, that's the sort of thing where, like, I clearly, like, had an, a, a foil, like, a Ikoria collector booster ready to just dump out a bunch of creatures <laughs> yes. onto the battlefield. Like, mm-hmm. that's the sort, like, that's the sort of thing that probably, like, someone could have gotten mad about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, th- the thing, though, is that because we have a level of trust, we've played with each other enough times to know what we're about and know that we're not there to, you know, try and screw someone or something. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fine. And also, like, your timing of it was pretty perfect as well. Like, at this point, for reference, the other two players were dead. And it was me versus Dan. Okay. And I was, like, trying to stabilize with my Aromi deck, which gets significantly worse when there's fewer players. And... He's just like, uh, I don't know, eight mana sorcery. I'm like, you know <laughs> what? Like, you know what? You do like it. Ten creatures. <laughs> yeah. What did you get ten off the creatures. collector booster? Out of curiosity. Um, nothing amazing, but it was just yeah. uh, like ten creatures. Sure. I think there was a yeah. foil gem razor in there, and Ooh. like uh, yes, the Godzilla card was the um, the space Godzilla Death Corona, which yeah. just gonna pull on the collar there yeah um but yeah like that kind of thing is totally fine if you were to walk up to a uh, like a pod of strangers and do something like that without telling them like they will be mad yeah probably they'd be like what the hell dude you know but like you know we have a we have a level of trust where like we've played several games and we know what we're about and that's fine you know it it does depend on the circumstance and the situation for sure also to add mm-hmm. on to that it's is that level of randomness that Dan's on about as well like if I was in that commander pod I would remember that because I've never had someone crack open a booster pack in a commander pod and going yo here's 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 my board state sort of thing it's got a very it's a very <laughs> yeah. unset thing which I quite like as well it's just it just lends into commander quite well and it brings those memories those fun little talking points that what makes commander so great so you just gotta let them happen you just gotta let have the conversation because then it'll Mm -hmm. be more fun yeah for sure i think that's at the as you said emma sometimes you just gotta let that stuff happen like there's been times i've like counter spells is a huge one like learning when to sandbag your counter spells just to like if the game's gotta end like just don't counter something or like Mm -hmm. or like if it's a big like huge play that like everyone's on board for don't counter it like if it's something yeah. that seems miserable and at least one person's like oh god i don't want that to happen like then you, you should probably counter it yeah for sure it's also one of the reasons why in blue decks i have started to run fewer and fewer counter spells for example because you only really kind of need them in the more social games when you have like like that like a huge problem where it's going to you know, knock one person out of the game only or, like, make one person miserable or mm-hmm. slow the game down. and Like, you don't need to stop everything. Like, let, let people have fun. It's cool. And, like, the higher power you go, the more efficient counter spells you can put in, but the lower, like, it's fine. Yeah, know? I tend to run most of my counter spells in that, either in that sort of situation or, like, when you get down to two players and you're like, mm-hmm. we're just trying to finish this out. Like, I want to I wanna win the game, so I'll counter your stuff. 
I don't play blue decks, so I don't have this issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, actually, speaking of going down to two players, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, when it comes down to two players, in my friend pod anyway, a lot of the time, if we don't see a clear win in sight, we're just like, we'll just call it a draw. Oh, or yeah. Or like one of us will concede or something and be like, let's just shuffle up. Let's just shuffle up, up and just start again sort of yeah. thing. Because there comes a point, I imagine, where there's two players playing and the other two are just like, waiting and it just feels bad manners i guess because you don't want to keep them waiting because they want to play yeah. magic as well right for sure so it's just like yeah just just let it go and just start again so i think that's the the one of the big things is learning when to just like toss it in and yeah. shuffle up is like you if you have a, a point where like someone has pulled off like some like overwhelming amount of card advantage or board state or whatever and like no one has yeah. a clear answer like all right, we'll just shuffle it up. And yep, like it, for it's sure. it's just uh, being I think sometimes when I I see people talk about their thoughts on commander online, it's about time, right? They say I don't mm-hmm. have that much time to play magic, and I know a lot of people have a lot more time these days, but um like in that time I want to have as much fun as I can. And so just being respectful of yep. everyone's time. And it's the same thing, like, I, uh, you get those sort of decks where you're rolling and you start getting trigger after trigger after trigger and you start taking five-minute turns and it's... Yeah. And we've all been there. And, it like, is that is that the best... You know, like, if it takes 20 minutes for the turn cycle to go around, like, is that mm. the best use for anyone's time? Or if you're taking way longer turns than everyone else? Well, so, like, yeah. when... Going back to the time thing, it's just, like, say you you can only play, like, Commander, like, two, three hours a week, and you manage to only get one game in, and it's that, and it just doesn't feel good for anyone, does it? Because you've essentially mm. wasted... You've got to wait another week to have enough opportunity, you know, to actually play some Magic. So, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to, again, I just want to jump back a little bit because, you know, my brain never holds on to an idea for more than 30 seconds. So, you know, I'm just going to fish this one back. But back on the social, like, and how to how to play and sort of interact and that kind of thing. One thing that I have learned with my commander experience over the past six months to a year in particular, playing on a lot of streams is that playing on streams and stuff obviously is a very different beast to playing with randomers as is different to playing with friends. And what I've learned is that my overall commander experience has greatly improved since starting to play on streams. Now, I know that within the streams themselves, it's quite curated in that we're here for the entertainment purposes for other people. Mm -hmm. It needs to be good for people to watch. So don't come along with locks and counterspell decks and all sorts of stuff. And that's fine. But there was a lot of takeaways from those that I now put into my games with friends, my games with randomers and that kind of stuff that overall it just improves the experience, you know, like take the wild, bold, ridiculous play, even if there is a very obvious win on the table for you, just take something that's like wild. Let everybody like walk away remembering, God, remember that play that he did? Because that's going to be way more important to people than, Oh, do you remember that win that he had that didn't matter? Like, It's also one of the things that I've learned from playing on streams is let people do their thing. Like, yeah. if someone is, like, a turn away from popping off for the first time, like, don't remove the piece that lets them do that. Just mm-hmm. let them pop yeah. off once and, like, have an exciting play. And then if they're about to do it the second time, then you can probably stop it. But, like, it, like it's 
it's more fun for the viewer. It's more for fun for them. It probably is more fun yeah. for you to let people like uh, have their deck do the thing it's supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, things change a little bit if you're going to be that. First of all, the the big like asterisk here is like this basically doesn't apply to CEDH because CEDH is CEDH. <laughs> CEDH like is we, the we know that that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know anything so. about CEDH, so don't listen to me about that. Yeah. <laughs> but um but it is it is more true the more social the game. Because once you start creeping towards higher power and that kind of stuff, like for example, I, I play quite regularly now on chase mana curves a stream and their overall power level is like relatively high pretty high yeah yeah pretty high but people will still on occasion be like you know what yeah I'll let that happen and just see what happens yeah. you know because they want to see the wild crazy mad thing and this is how things go sometimes in games and even at higher power it can still be good to let people do the thing obviously less so up there but it still happens so mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that I also I I get a a big sort of jazz from Commander is I just I love magic cards if that hasn't been clear about like everything <laughs> that I do it's like I just what and like when people play like a magic card that especially if it isn't one that I haven't seen recently or if it's really yeah. old or obscure like that's awesome and I like and compliment your opponent on their cards yes. on their yes. stuff Big deal. like on their plays like the deck, like, the like and nothing feels better than having your opponent compliment yeah, something about nice. your, their eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know, I know, we are joking a bit here, but like, it is very true that like it, it's in essence, it's good sportsmanship. Like, yeah, it's, good it's really good. Like. You know, if you if you play Emma, you play badminton. You play against someone that played really well, and you turn around and be like, "That was really good." You know, yeah. like it's just they'll be like, "Hey, that was a good shot. Hey, that was a good return." Like you just yeah acknowledge what you see. Like it's it's not difficult. And you know, going back to like seeing the card that you may have you know haven't seen before, and someone did this cool thing, you could be like, mm -hmm. "Oh, hey, this is a cool card. Like I'm gonna pick one up and put it in my deck, sort of thing, because I want to see the same effect, that kind of thing." And it's just it's that's what brings the friendship and the trust because you're just being so open and just supportive. Like it's it's very easy yeah. to be that way, yet people are so reluctant at the same time. It's just it's unfortunate, and but hopefully, you know, it can change at some point. And yeah. at the end of the game, too, it's really easy just to be, well, not, but like, even at the end of streams, like, oh, good game, we all leave. Or, like, at a LGS, yeah. like, good game, like, I'm running off to another table to play another game. Like, just take that extra effort for sportsmanship, like Emma said. Yeah. Like, be, yeah. like, be kind, be, like, try to be your best and most welcoming yeah. self, even if you don't really feel like it. Just be <laughs> nice to people. Even more important at LGS, when if you're working like playing with strangers and there's people around you, and if you're setting this example of being really nice and supportive, and be like, "Hey, that was a really fun game. We should do this sometime." That is infectious. Someone else will do that in another pod, yeah. and it's a good it's a good example. And people should do it more. And rant. <laughs> it's just it's just there's nothing to lose <laughs> from being kind. And uh, it, it. and the like being Bottom super line. salty could ruin someone's experience mm. and like make them not yeah. come back. Yeah, completely. I'm I'm afraid to make this point because I've made this point before whenever this kind of conversation comes up, but it is wild to me still that Commander is 
a game it's like it's it's obviously i in my opinion i think it's the most unique game in existence because it's a game that we all play that we don't actively focus on the winning side of things you know like it's more about the plays in the game matter more than the win itself and like you look at nearly any other like we were discussing it just before we hit record like you look at any other board game or like online game or anything any game like ultimately you're trying to win commander not so much necessarily it's weird yeah i think the only comparison is a role-playing game and it's a a role-playing game where people are really into their characters and not like trying to map out tactically the best way to go on a map um, yeah, like they, where you make a decision based, like, and you're trying to inhabit your character and make a decision based on what you think your character would do, mm-hmm. and that's the only. I think that's the only comparison. I think that's a really interesting comparison yes. as well because there's always a dynamic within a group in a role playing game, and the same can be kind of mapped out across a commander pod. Mm-hmm. You know, you will nearly always have like the person person that pushes ahead early, and then the underdog that comes out and. There's the person that's trying to keep everybody calm at the table and like keep things in check and inevitably things get out of hand and then they have to try and solve that. And these are different characters that people assume within a commander pod and you see it so often, even with strangers, more often with friends and that kind of thing. But like you definitely see it in the majority of pods, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I often say in a game like, oh, like someone has to be the fun police. Or whatever. Like, <laughs> that's a that's a role that you're playing for that for that game. You're yep. the fun police. Yeah, for sure. And I think once people are aware of those kind of roles, and they are kind of arbitrary, and they can change from game to game, and sometimes it can feel up in the air. But like I've always found that the best games are when the players become aware that oh, this is the role I'm in. This is the lane I'm in for this game, and it can change mid game. Like you can top tech something incredible and like start going out of control and like you're going mad with power. And like, that's a new character that you can assume the role of in that time. But once people are aware of those things in a game, it tends to go more smoothly because you can assume that role and, and sort of go at it with your, with your whole ass mm. instead of half assing it, you know? Yeah. That's where reading the room comes in as well. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of removing your ego from it. In a yeah. lot of the way, it's, uh, you know, this isn't, like, winning the game is, or losing, winning or losing the game isn't a reflection on me, the person. It's like, I'm I'm doing this thing and, like, I'm, I'm just playing, now I'm just thinking about it as it relates to improv. Like, uh, mm. I do improv a lot and, like every scene that you're in you're you're playing a different role and like you you get to do something what you think based on what the character that you're trying to create would do and like it's fun because you get to be silly and you get to do stuff that you would never do and you get to like do all that but then like in the next scene you could be, like, be someone completely different and like mm. you just have to you just have to let that go and go move on to the next thing yeah this is now making me want to do two things. One, play games of Commander. And two, play D&D with you, Dan, actually. That sounds <laughs> yeah, like it'll be, be a fun. lot of fun. I'll be up for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been trying to get a, a D&D group together. Um, everyone I know is busy, unfortunately. Well, not everybody. I'm casting <laughs> All right, on that note, I think we're going to call today's episode to a close. Dan, thank you so much for coming along and chatting with us. It's been Mm -hmm. really good. It's been really insightful. 
despite the fact that you know we're we're talking about a lot of things that both of us have experienced in different ways it's still like i still feel like i'm taking away stuff from this um if not necessarily things that i didn't know already but like it's refreshed a lot of thoughts and stuff as well and made me like i said a second ago want to go and play more commander games and like employ these kind of aspects and Mm. and really take a look at it like that yeah yeah and i think there's been times where like I've finished a session of Commander or, you know, Commander Night on LGS and feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then there have been times that I've felt like, oh, this was awesome. I can't wait until next week. Like, and I, I feel like if we can make it to a point where everyone is at that second point, I mean, that's just better for everyone. Yeah. For sure. All right. So before we sign off, Dan, would you like to let everyone at home know one more time where they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me at AltersALK on Twitter and Instagram. Good stuff. Are there any final words you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, Final words. Um, Stay safe. There's an Omicron surge in the United States. I don't know what it's like over in England or Ireland or wherever you are, but stay safe. Get your boosters. Wear a mask. Um try to be kind to um, people who have to work in places where there are people. Nice. I think this is the most sincere outro we're ever going to do. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast, and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently than we could fit into our usual outro, so we've got to speed this up a little bit. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Bradley Rose, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jamie Coyle, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Morgan Roberts, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, and Zachary Morrow. And at the Strong tier, we have a nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, and Simon Grip. Whew. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. Excellent. This is where we're going to have a gap for the ad. Now it's time for a BMCast <laughs> advertisement. Today's podcast is brought to you by our Patreon. Give us money. Don't give other people money on Patreon. That was great. I am putting this at the end and it's going to be fantastic. <laughs>